the VO meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the VO meter, measuring your voiceover progress. So today we've got a little bit of a, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We've actually got a two-part episode uh, this time because we a got so many gr- Oh my gosh, to be continued. I don't, didn't you already hate that when like back when it was kind of a novel concept? It was just like, no, I have to wait a whole nother week. Except anyways, it always meant we, something special. Usually it did. I think it's overdone now. <laughs> Probably, but let's just go back in time and, and pretend like we had something cool to talk about. All right. Well, we do. We do. In fact, we had such an amazing panel uh, of international uh, voiceover talent, some like from the U.S., like Christina Malizia and Christian Lance, some for or in Sofia Cruz, some from all over the world, like Simona Clias and um, Umberto, Umberto Franco. Franco. Oh, that's right. Thank you for pronouncing his name correctly. So uh, Simone's all the way in Brazil and Umberto's all the way in Portugal. And we also got uh, Susie Valerio. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yeah. Um, who is also a Portuguese talent, but living in the UK. And so truly international sound there. And then, uh, oh God. Was and that? Sophia Cruz. And of course, I, well, I mentioned Sophia. Did but you? Yes. So, I mean, another um, US talent who specializes in bilingual uh, Spanish and English voiceover. So we had such a like huge information packed panel. We realized that we couldn't possibly fit it into one episode and still have time for our hour-long rant. So we well, made it into we bit two parts. We bit off more than we can chew, which is typical fashion for, for the way we do things. But nevertheless, mm-hmm. it's better for our listeners. Yes, yes, indeed. So even more information. Because we know this is something that I've heard, and it kind of makes me chuckle when I see it online, when people feel like they can't pursue work where they're at. Because they feel like um, there's still this idea that you have to be in New York or Chicago or L.A., and if you're not in any of those places, then you just shouldn't even try and pursue voiceover. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, not only are there regional agencies throughout the United States, but there's all sorts of work that's not necessarily agent-based, but people need voices for their projects. They might be individual businesses needing a phone message. They might need corporate narration. There's, there's really, the opportunities are only limited by our imagination. And your background doesn't matter either. The other takeaway from from this panel that most of you will hear is that no matter what accent you have, there's a market for it, most likely. Exactly, exactly. Especially if you're you're living in another country and pursuing voiceover within it. So we'll get to our fabulous guests in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we have current events. So what has been happening with you, Sean? Well, I've been doing a lot of work for GVAA recently, the uh, Global Voice Acting Academy. Some of you guys know I kind of, or I'm the membership liaison. I kind of, um, I'm your go-to guy if you're a member with us or if you're interested in becoming a member with us. And we've gotten, we've got all these great workouts and coaches and events coming. And I'm really excited. I got to do interviews with Joyce Castellanos. You might know her as the promo queen or the VO mama, just an incredibly sweet, woman who's been a casting director uh, for for promo, commercial, and narration for over a decade now. And she's just a wonderful woman to work with. We had a lot of fun doing our interview session last weekend. And then I also got to talk with a video game veteran, Brian Summer. He's just an amazing character actor. He's done uh, a number of games for uh, Telltale Games. He's worked on The Wolf Among Us, which is sort of based on the uh, the Fable series from DC Comics or Vertigo, I forget as well as the Walking Dead series, and just a number of uh, of video game titles like reaching back a decade as well. 
And we also have a new dialect coach and speech therapist, Eliza Simpson. So uh, we're going to have an interview coming up um, some in a, in a couple of weeks. But I'm really excited about that because people who know me know I have a penchant for accents. I just love, it's just like oral candy for me. So that's A-U-R-A-L, not O-R-A-L. Big difference. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> well, most candy is the oral type, right? I mean, yeah, you eat it, but we, we won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This is dangerous territory. Danger, danger, Paul Stefano. Moving on. Moving on. But yeah, so I've been having a great time. Uh, I've been leading a lot more workouts, too. It's kind of funny because some people have actually approached me for my coaching rates, and I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't market myself as a coach. I love I love directing people. I love helping people improve their performances, but I am not a coach. So, um, I but I appreciate the compliment. I really do. <laughs> um, so that's, and on top of that, just my regular voiceover work. Um, I got a new, I'm actually trying to cast a project for one of my main pro- clients right now for English Anyone. And they had a really unique commercial that they were trying to cast because they wanted a native um like either Chinese American or Asian American actor to convey a very authentic sounding Chinese accent at the beginning of the spot and then transition into an almost neutral American accent by the end. So it's a tough, that's a tough cookie to crack. And um, I've got a few submissions in. What was that? So how apropos based on our current episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that some people like nobody was like, why does it just have to be this specific person? Everyone was just like, oh, I, this person would be great. This person would be great. And I was like, oh, man, I love this community so much. <laughs> that's great. So mm-hmm. so that's pretty much everything going on with me. What about you, Paul? Well, I had a very busy couple of weeks, actually. I last I week was you probably have. you're right. So I'm glad you asked. Last week was probably <laughs> my, my busiest week since I've been in, in the business, which was weird because there was no real rhyme or reason to it other than the the themes of constant effort and and marketing so i did a a series of uh, narration dubbing from russian for uh, videos on cryptocurrency that was interesting Interesting. yeah that it, it was funny story because the way it came to me it was it was from one of the um one of the freelance sites that i work with and i bid on the project and they sent it to me and there's a lot of negotiations about what we what I could do and what I couldn't do based on the bid as far as matching up the voice. And they did not want to pay me to to match up the, the voice with the Russian version. Mm-hmm. I offered based on a, a fair rate, and they said, well, just do it however you would, and we'll match it up because I offered them a fair rate and then based, <laughs> on, the, based on the GBA rate guide. And then... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Shame <and>, drop. <laughs> right. And then they asked, does that include dubbing? And I said, no, here's what that would entail. And I offered them another rate. I basically charge two-thirds on top of my normal rate to, to sync to video. So Yeah, that's an incredibly time-intensive service. Yeah, it, it, more than, it almost doubles the work. So, and, and depending on what the work is, I sometimes will actually double the fee if, I, it's, if it's something I think it was going to be that long. So mm-hmm. they balked at that, but then said, fine, we'll pay you the regular rate. So... Long story short, or too long already, I did that job and was and was paid for it last week. It was about uh, five hours of audio, so that was pretty intense. And then I also did a live session for kind of a weird weird um, request. It was a video game, at least that's how it was pitched to me. And this came from a studio who I reached out to two years ago, 2016. I sent them a, an audition 
it was for, at that point for a, um, I think a radio ad. And they said, no, no thanks. We have somebody already, but we'll keep your information on file. And I thought, sure they will. You know, they'll, they'll probably just yeah. recycle it and I'll never hear from them again. Lo and behold, two years later, they come back to me and say, hey, we have a video game we'd like you to do. So let's do a session this week. So we dialed up um, the studio on Wednesday of last week, and we did the voice. Using Vidalgo Call, I guess? <laughs> uh, actually, we used Skype. It was just a directed session. They didn't need to record on their end. I recorded <laughs> on my end. But we just used Skype for that. And it turned out it was a video game for a human resources department of a company, a very large company, actually, that cannot mention, sadly say, sad, sad to say, but you would know it if I did. But anyway... <laughs> We, we did <laughs> Wait session. another two years. Maybe you'll get permission. Maybe, yeah. So it turned out to be a video game as an interactive way to train their employees, which I thought was pretty cool. I hadn't really heard of that before. Um, yeah, but... I believe it's called gamification or just or turning instructional, especially e-learning materials, into more interactive, entertaining media. Oh, really? So uh, okay. I'm all about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a new new field for me, but I enjoyed it. It was, it was doing two different voices, um, an alien and sort of the mission control of a, of a space station. and Oh, interesting. I think, you'd be, yeah, I'd be great for that one. Yeah, I actually did a job like that a couple of months ago as a mission control for, for another job, another video game. So that was kind of in my wheelhouse. So that was done, did that last week. Uh, I finished my first book for Findaway, which I'm just waiting to come out, Findaway Voices. They're, they're a publisher of audiobooks that, that is out I'm with there. them as well. I haven't heard from them in a while, but I am. <laughs> so I have my first book done. I think I've talked about it in other episodes, and I'm waiting for it to come out on Audible. It's out on some of the other services out there like Playster and, um, and Librio.fm, but it's not out on Audible yet. It should be out there any day. They said there was some issue with the cover art that they had to fix. So I keep hmm. checking frantically the Audible results to see if it's out yet, and you can find it soon. It's called The Nimble Dodger, or you can look for my name, Paul Stefano, obviously, on Audible or, or Amazon. And then on a related cool. note, my daughter's audiobook finally came out. It's been published on Audible. It's called Bianca Finds Her Bounce. It's a children's huh. story about a little girl who suffers with depression. And it's narrated by Anna Stefano, A-N-N-A. So check that out, and you can buy it now on Audible. It has two reviews so far. They're both five stars. So pretty excited about that. And wow, what a heady topic to tackle for her first book. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was something that... that was pretty easy for her to, to identify with, so she she picked it up and, and did the story. It's only four minutes long, so it's not like it was labor-intensive, but still the first one, and the first one is always is always the most exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it was way smarter for her to do that. I mean, my first book was uh, like almost 200 pages, and I re- <laughs> it took me forever to complete. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So, um, and the last thing done, I want to mention... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. And the last thing I want to mention, and hopefully it's still there by the time I release this, depends on how quickly I can edit it, but I'm currently featured on VoiceOver Extra, thanks to John Florian. So that's voice, voiceover with an X, T-R-A dot com. And I'm one of the featured, featured articles on the, the front page right now talking about networking. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you want, like, an organic voiceover textbook, basically... It, there's no better resource than VoiceOver Extra. I mean, I, I've told, I've said this a few times on the podcast, but when I really started pursuing VoiceOver, I found it was one of the first sites I could find. I studied it for an entire year. Like I read all of the current articles they had, and then whenever they had a new one, I would read that. And they have like they cover all different areas. They have um, like VoiceOver Tech, um, 
like ideas for editing workflow or just workflow in general, marketing, uh, different performance techniques. Studio it's really setup. Just studio setup. It's an amazing resource. So I highly, and it's free. I highly, highly recommend it. And we're still featured there. If you go to the resources section or the bottom right-hand column of the, of the front page, the VO meter is there front and center with a, with a, listing to, a link to our, to our website. So check that out too. Is it front and center? It's not like bottom right, tiny little icon. <laughs> it's bottom right, but it's the first one in the list. So okay, that's, that's okay. pretty exciting. <laughs> I just don't want all our podcast fame to go to our heads, you know. Too late for that, obviously. Too late for that. <laughs> so Paul's I... head just grows three times every time I see him. It's just massive <laughs> now. So that wraps it up for current events. But before, er, it would not be an episode of the VO Meter if we didn't cover some questionable gear purchase all right so i'll start off this time because i haven't had one for a while i've actually been been good to my wallet and my my budget <laughs> but i i tried to go out and buy an ipad pro to do all of my script reading and annotating for a script prepped for audiobooks and mm-hmm. it failed miserably well that, I, i'd love to hear more about that because so many people were like some people had had similar issues with like the previous iPad models and that was the biggest complaint is like the styluses don't work or I can't mark things up as fluidly as just a pen and paper. And then when the iPad Pro came out, you started getting more positive reviews because like, oh, it's a bigger screen and the stylus works and what have you. So I'd love to hear a negative experience for once. Well, what happened to me, and it's a little bit of can't teach an old dog new tricks. I, I did get the, the Pro that has the pencil support built in and it came with a keyboard and oh and a, and a camera connection kit to allow you to plug in a USB card for transferring files mm-hmm. so but what ended up happening was the stylus wasn't really usable for some of the things i was hoping it would be namely editing on the on the go so i downloaded uh. the, the twisted wave app and was hoping that i could use this as a mobile recording rig as well and the pencil is really is really done for annotating and maybe signing documents like PDFs or Word documents. Mm-hmm. You can't use it as a stylus replacement or a mouse replacement like you can. Oh, so with... like you can't really drag and drop with it or anything like right. that? So I was hoping I could use the Twisted Wave app and the, the Apple Pencil to drag the, the playhead in, in Twisted Wave, and it didn't work at all. All it did was, well, it didn't do anything with the pencil. You still had to use your finger the, with the Twisted Wave app. Now, that's not to say that Thomas, the developer, couldn't, couldn't change that in the, in the near future, but for that, it still doesn't work. The pencil is really just for marking things up on the iPad Pro. So if that's all you want it for, to mark up scripts, to sign documents, then it's still maybe a viable option. But what I use my portable setup for is as actual an actual laptop replacement. So I take it with me on the road to record. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the, the stylus as a, as a replacement for the mouse. So you can drag windows. You can actually click on, on documents, or sorry, click on applications and icons and double-click, open them up use it as a mouse replacement and that's not what the iPad is set up for yet. So, mm-hmm. in my case it really wasn't wasn't anything that I needed and I spent a lot of money for it where <laughs> it was basically something just that was a, a luxury that I did not need, so I did get rid of it and and I'm back to using the the Windows computer with the stylus and I guess audacity at this point when I'm on the road. Oh. <laughs> I wish you could say you were happy as a clam, but the disappointment is prevalent in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an experiment and the reason mm-hmm. people love the iPads is because they, they just function so well. It had great battery life. It's super thin. It's like an iPhone on steroids, just wider and bigger. 
And for that reason, it would have been great to be to be a portable solution. But for me, it's just not ready for prime time yet. Mm-hmm. And it's it depending on what you're used to and what you can get used to. Um, the iPad can be a great like. I don't know. I I personally view it as a supplementary tool. I like I I like using it as a script reader as part of my mobile setup. Um, but like I admit, like even though I'm pretty facile about using Twisted Wave with just my fingers and stuff like that, it's fun if you're on like a bus ride and you have nothing better to do, just edit some tracks. But um, but yeah, for most people, I understand that it's not like the most conducive or productive way to edit audio. I'm super like so much faster on just a laptop. So I don't really have a questionable gear purchase this month. I do have a questionable gear sale or that I'm in the middle of. And that I'm actually, after hemming and hawing about it for a couple of weeks now, I'm deciding to sell my Neumann TLM-103. And I can already hear like the collective gasp in, <gasps> like, in the interwebs. So let me first say that the mic itself is amazing. It sounds great. But I have to be far more selective about when I use it in comparison to my 416 because i mean my space is treated but it's not isolated and usually that's in rural washington that's not a big problem but i just realized that like this thing has sat this beautiful mic has sat in its case for six months and that's a like that's an atrocity to me so <laughs> i really want um I really wanted it to go to someone who could get better use out of it. And so right now, somebody from uh, an audiobook production house is talking with me about selling it to them. Um, we're still negotiating a price, but hopefully it will work out in both of our favors. And um, Did you tell them the history behind it and this show? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, no, I didn't tell him this one. But I will back up a little bit because it is, it's kind of relevant. So like I said, my space may not be the perfect one for a $1,000 condenser that can hear, like, the... The most common analogy I hear is that it can pick up a mouse farting in another state. And that's pretty true. <laughs> but, yep. um, but the 416, like, I mean, the, I live with my family. They don't have to worry about being as noisy and stuff like that as long as we're a few rooms apart. And, like, no one's ever complained about my audio. And the thing is, it's like I realized unless someone asks me to use a different mic, do I really need one, you know? Like I've I've used the 416 for e-learning, audiobooks, all the things that they say you're not supposed to be able to use it for. No one has complained. <laughs> so it really got me to think about that. And the truth is, if like I love the 103, but it's not my dream mic. It's not the one that I like my my dream future studio features, if you will. And that one is actually um similar mic called the Gefell M930. So oh, no. you might know that. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so and that's another. Th it's so silly because it's just like I, if you've been following the podcast, I literally haven't had a questionable gear purchase in months. <laughs> well, that's all about to change. <laughs> it's all about to change. Well, I'm not going to go rushing out and buying everything. But the thing is, is it's just like thinking of your business in stages. What is the best use of that investment? Like you've got a thousand dollars sitting in a box that you're not using when you could be reinvesting it in any other area of your business. Like, for example, my laptops need an upgrade. That would be great. Or like you might need an additional acoustic treatment. So it really got me to kind of rethink and kind of see that I might have like been putting the cart before the horse a little bit and just kind of reanalyze where I really want to take my business, where I want to take my studio. 
So, so well, you really wanted knows? to try I'm, it, you know? I, I, and I did I the did same thing. I did want to try it. Yeah, right. The way hey. you came about it was the same way I, I came about it was I said, oh, there's a good there's a good deal on a 1.0. Well, you know the story by now. Well, we thought it was a 102, which right. would have been fine in this environment because I hear it's got a more controlled, smaller pattern. <laughs> but you always want to try the 103 in your studio just like I did, and that's why we traded and I sent it to you. And now at least you've had that experience. You can say the 103 was, you know, blank for me. And it wasn't this, and now I know. Well, that's the thing. Like the, again, it was not the audio quality that was an issue. It was sort of like the like I don't know user interface. I guess the four sixteen is far more friend user friendly to use, and it's lighter. It's low profile. Heaven forbid if I drop it, I'm not going to have a heart attack. Like you know. Yeah. And um and also I freaking hate the Neumann shock mount. I'm sorry. It's like it's two pieces that you have to connect with elastic bands. And it's like, it's $120 by itself. And I'm just like, this is not, like, after moving from, like, a Rycote custom one, I'm just like, no, I, yeah, I don't like hated this it at all. In fact, I had to watch a YouTube video to figure out how to connect it when I got it shipped exactly. to me. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those, like, I mean, they're very, like, traditional and ubiquitous. The spider mounts that you see everywhere, um, Neumann tends to use them for a lot of their mics. But it's just, like, I don't know, the technology has changed enough that you can have a little bit more like I mean me I love the Rycote mounts um I found out about it from Paul Straquerda and Jordan Reynolds they're just these great little um and I think uh they even partnered with Rode for like the new NT1 kit but it's just like these little adjustable shock mounts it works really well they're nice and compact they're easy to figure out and it's great like so you can already see my like tech lust coming in droves now right but but the truth is, is like I can get a similar sound or a different condenser for a third of the price, and I doubt anyone will complain. Or not, so, and just save your money, like you said, or invest it somewhere else more wisely. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I have a little bit more flexibility. I have room to aspire, room to dream now. And, and if I can help another talent have a wonderful mic, all the power to me. So before we get into our international panel, Actually, our VO meter stick this month is from the husband of one of our guests today. So that's Jason Birmingham. He's married to the lovely Simone Klias, and he talks about being an American working in a foreign country recording in English, and uh, a little bit about being a sort of a husband-wife VO team as well. So without further ado, Jason, take it away with your VO meter stick. <laughs> Hey, everybody, it's time for the VO meter shtick. What did he say? It's time for the VO meter. Oh, never mind. The VO meter shtick. Oh, got it. Paul, hi, it's Jason Birmingham here in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Thanks for including me in this. Uh, I'm Simone's husband, and Simone brought me into the voiceover market probably about 10 years ago. Uh, we met when we were both working with pay TV and she kept encouraging me to do voiceover because it's a big market. And I had no idea there was English language voiceover in Brazil. And today it's my main gig. Now, I'm sure Simone talked a lot about the work I do in English. And we've done presentations about our work at VO Atlanta with our accession for voiceover in the global community. Uh, but one thing we don't talk a lot about is the challenges of working together as a couple. You know, we have our own home studio, which we've built ourselves, and often I record Simone for international jobs, which means I'm basically her sound engineer, which can be a little trying sometimes because you get a client on the line and you don't really want to introduce yourself as Simone's husband. 
uh, because that's not your role in that job. You're basically doing uh, what you do every day, which is working as your as the sound engineer, playing back takes, uh, making choices for editing. So often I'm just introduced as Jason the sound guy. However, sometimes during the sessions we... Um, <laughs> we let our intimacy show probably more than we should, you know, without really thinking about it. And somebody starts calling me amor and we start having a little bit more intimate conversations. And sometimes I think clients probably wonder what's going on in that studio in Brazil. But then uh, if we ever catch ourselves doing that, then we do say, oh, wait, um, you know, Jason's also my husband. He's not just my sound engineer and everyone's relieved. But it's a challenge working as a couple. It's it's wonderful. You know, you it's unlike anything I've ever done. We grow together. We work together. And uh, I help Simone promoting her work in the United States, and she helps me promoting my work in Brazil. So we grow as a couple, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. So that wraps up our questionable gear purchases, as well as our current events. And we have such great content coming up, we don't want to waste any more time. So let's get right to our Zoom room with our international roundtable. Hi, everyone. We are joining from Zoom right now. And I'm so excited because we are doing our first truly international panel. We have guests from three different continents, four different countries. And so we're just going to go ahead and rather than me introduce them, I'm going to let them do that themselves. So why don't we start off with Miss Sophia Cruz. Hi, thank you so much, Sean and Paul, for having us. Um, and really touching on the international aspect of voiceovers, I feel that there isn't enough information about this. So thank you so much for taking the time to have us here. My name is Sophia Cruz, and I'm a Los Angeles-based voice actor. And I have been doing voiceover for the past 10 years as a professional talent. And I'm really excited to share about uh, what it is that I do. I was born in Mexico, in La Ciudad Orizaba, Veracruz. Mm-hmm. And um, that is where I hail from. And uh, obviously now uh, I'm in the United States as an American. So I, I call myself the perfect blend of Mexican and American because that is what I am. I'm a bicultural uh, talent, understanding both sides of the, you know, the countries and everything that comes with that. Very cool. Thank you. All right. Miss Simone Clias. But first of all, thank you so much for having me uh, at your podcast. It's a great show and congrats. Oh, thank uh, you. And it's an honor to, uh, for me being with uh, the other talents that you invited. They are great people and wonderful professionals. So it's a pleasure. So I'm Brazilian, uh, as you can heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in Sao Paulo. I have been, um, I'm an actress since I was nine years old and I'm in uh, the voiceover area since 99. So yeah, basically it's that, but there's a lot of things to talk during this podcast. Well, absolutely. I had no idea you almost had two decades of experience with that. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we have Umberto. Wonderful. And what about you, Umberto? Uh, my name is Umberto Franco. I live in Portugal. I'm uh, a voiceover t- talent full-time that speaks English, non-American, non-British. So it's an uh, international, international English. English. <laughs> I speak Portuguese from Portugal, which is different from Portuguese from Brazil. And I also speak Spanish, but it's a mix of Spanish from Spain, from Latin America, so it's also a international Spanish. Um, my name is Susie Valerio. 
I live in England and I record in Brazilian Portuguese and in international English. I also speak Spanish so I can do it like so I have recorded in Spanish, but my main languages are Brazilian Portuguese and international English. So thanks everybody for joining us again. As Sean said, we're really excited about this panel and it's something I think will benefit all of our listeners greatly. So the reason this came about was in Bio Atlanta, I was talking to Umberto, actually having lunch with him, and he was talking about the difficulties he had as a bilingual talent, specifically speaking Portuguese and being a native of Portugal and looking for jobs and finding that there was a greater demand or a lot of demand for Brazilian Portuguese. And later on at Bio Atlanta, I, I met Simone, obviously, and said, hey, I think I have an idea for a topic. So that was where the initial, the initial conversation came up, and I think it's a great one that we can tackle. But really, the first question I had for all of you is, as bilingual talent, which is your mother tongue, and which of the voices do you use more? Is it your mother tongue, or is it your, your region now where you're living? So let's start with uh, Sophia. Sure. Um... So I, my story is a little bit unique, I think, in the sense that um, I was born in Mexico, uh, but I was raised in the United States. However, no one uh, being an illegal immigrant in the United States, we didn't speak English, obviously. Um, and so my mother actually to this date does not speak any English. So I only talk to my mom in Spanish. So when you grow up with a family that doesn't speak, the, you know, where you're in a brand new country, you don't even understand the language. Um, it definitely presents itself as challenges. So I say that to say this, that I feel that I'm native in both because to a certain degree I am. I had no ability to speak English. There was no ESL back in the day. Not that I'm super old, but there just wasn't those resources available in my elementary school. And so I didn't learn English until ESL finally came to my school, which was in third grade. So up until third grade, however old you are then, seven, eight, I didn't speak any English. I only spoke Spanish. So my native tongue is Spanish, 100%. However, from third grade to eighth grade is how long it took me to master English and master it without an accent. Um, I feel that then I switched to natively speaking English because I worked so hard to not have the accent and really learn all there is to learn about English. So from that side, I feel like I have two. <laughs> um, and um, so to answer your question, I actually speak both fluently and well that both I get requested to speak both on a very frequent basis. And thankfully, the voiceover market in the United States is to at this point in time in 2018, a very important commodity that did not exist when I first started in voiceover back in 2005. In fact, in 2005, I was dreaming for the day that today we have, which is that you can speak English and Spanish in the same project, voiceover project, commercial or e-learning or app or whatever. Um, so today I actually get requested to speak both of them in the same project. Um, and I do book on the same amount of English and Spanish on a regular basis. So both of my work is 50% English and 50% Spanish. That's great. So a quick follow-up question that's a little off script, but because of because you brought it up, my um, great-grandmother was from Spain and, and grandmother was a fluent uh, Spanish speaker. And she, my mom tells stories about encouraging her not to speak Spanish outside of the house. Is that something your mom did as well? I know you mentioned that you only speak to her in Spanish, but outside the house in school, did she, did she encourage you to say, to speak English? I remember my mom saying, my grandmother would always be saying, English, Barbara, English. 
No, I did not have that actually. Um, I, and I know like uh, there's an, uh, a really successful voice actor in Los Angeles, her name, her name is Silvia Villagran, and she has that story where her parents told her she could not speak English in the house. I did not have that. Um, my grandparents and my mom all were happy once I was able to speak English because I became the official translator in the house. I wow. translated everything and every meeting, every every work. I went to my grandparents' work to do their um, employee reviews. I translated everything. My grandfather thought I was going to grow up to be a U.S. um, embassy translator, official translator, because I translated everything, every document. Um, And that's why I actually learned to not like Spanish, because it just became such a burden to me. I mean, when you think about a small child having that kind of responsibility. um, And so I didn't like it. And so I kind of shied away from like translating. Even to this day, I have an official translator on my staff, Sofia Cruz Vio, because I don't want to translate anything ever again. I mean, obviously I do it, but, um, but yeah. Um, but no, I was not discouraged. I was actually encouraged because I became a valuable asset to my family being the only person who spoke English. Interesting. Well, thank you for that. And Simone, uh, which is your native tongue and which do you use more often? Uh, my native tongue is Portuguese. And I live in Brazil, so most of my jobs I record in Portuguese, or uh, some of them, like Sofia, I can record in both languages, but only when they need uh, a strong and Brazilian accent, because I I don't record uh, if they they request a native uh, speaker, I can do that. I have strong accent, so. I have been doing, uh, for example, I'm the voice of the international airport in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I do in Spanish, Portuguese, and English with a lot of accent, with my accent. So, because they requested that, because they said this is a Brazilian airport, so the voice has to be, has to have accent. So, I think it's a wonderful thing nowadays that people accept and the market accept our uh, accent. And I have been doing the same thing for um, Latin Airlines. I'm the voice of the Latin Airlines uh, airplanes in English and Portuguese with accent. So I think it's a wonderful thing nowadays. I get quite a lot of requests for English. And I would say that it's now shifting. It used to be that well, most of the requests I used to get used to be for strong Brazilian or Latin. I still get quite a lot of that. But it used to be that I would do maybe 80% in Brazilian Portuguese and 20% English. And then as the years, uh, well, as I time has passed, uh, I'm now at the moment, I would say that it's perhaps 60% in Brazilian and 40% in English, um, sometimes even 50-50. I also get uh, a lot of uh, requests for uh, um, accented English, um, but I will say, yeah, 50-50 would be like the the ratio of work in Portuguese and in English. Um, and I've been, you know, because I'm trying to reach out and get more into the American market, that English um, numbers are growing and have been growing since the beginning. So I think it will be, it will be more English than Portuguese really soon. 
That's wonderful. And it actually touches on our next question. And you're welcome to jump in this too, Sophia. So, uh, Simone, you've already explained a little bit yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm just curious, when you're, uh, for the rest of our panel, when you're asked to do a voiceover in English, do they ask for an accent or do they want more of a neutral, like more standard American dialectal English? And uh, Simone, as you said, they actually request the accent. So I'm curious to hear what some of our other uh, panelists have to say about that. Uh, well, here in the UK, actually, I have to say that most of the stuff I do in English is not for the UK, interestingly. I, lately, I've been getting more auditions for America. Uh, here in the UK, they are a little bit old-fashioned in that respect, I would say. <laughs> maybe, I don't know if old-fashioned is the best way of explaining it. Either that or, or maybe they're, they're not uh, as diverse as you would get with the international market. Because I, I feel that in America, you have more of a sense of, of a global market whereas here the work is more sort of local so you don't really hear you know many accents on tv for example on tv commercials yes if it's a french product you have a french accent um, doing the, the the commercial if it's an italian product they will have an italian but unless the product is specifically from a country they will use a sort of a british accent um, so yeah, at the moment, I would say that most of my work in English is actually for clients in the U.S. How about you, Umberto? Is there a request for English specifically in Portugal? Not specifically. I work in, in, in Portuguese. I work with a couple of production houses, two or three, that give me regular work. Uh, all the rest of the Portuguese work that I do is through production houses in Germany, in the U.K., you know, some in the United States. And then I get the feeling that and the majority of the work I do in English is for the United States. Mm -hmm. For some reason, they like my, you know, accent that you cannot tell from where I am. I'm understood, but they don't know exactly where I come from. So the majority of the, I, I believe all of it goes to the United States, the, the, the work that I do in English. Well, that's a spec I see a lot, even on my editions, where it says, we'd like him to have an accent not necessarily discernible. He has to be sort of mysterious, which drives me insane because I don't have any of that. I'm wondering why my agent is sending it to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I find, I, I was honestly so amazed in Atlanta to find out that there's this whole massive wide world out there. Because, I mean, I'm with lots of agents here in London. A lot of my work is in London. The stuff I do in Portuguese is always through agents. I have very good agents because, because the, as a foreign voice, I can be represented by many. I'm with the best guys in London. I do have amazing agents and I get really good jobs in Brazilian Portuguese. However, the, somewhere along the casting process, they don't even think of anyone that is not British for adverts and stuff here. It's just incredible. It's completely different to America. This whole thing of the mysterious international hasn't really happened here yet. What about um, George I'm hoping that it will change. You know, uh, if not, I might need to move across the ocean to the other side. <laughs> well, we'd love yeah. to have you. <laughs> I, I, had, I had people telling me, you know, if, if you lived here in the United States, you would book a lot more jobs than you are booking in Europe because a lot of them, you have to be in the studio to record. Yeah. You know, so... 
they they still Let's don't go it remotely, back to and I understand. And for instance, <laughs> get a flat I had, together. <laughs> I had, and, and for instance, Sean knows I we had like a um, a training session with MJ Lalo, and she just then emailed me and said, you know, send me your character demo because your accent is what a lot of people is looking for. I said, I don't have a character demo. I have to do one. So that that is the thing that that's why I believe that the, the the English with like not a Latin accent, but you know that accent that you cannot tell where it's from is being requested more and more and more in the United States. And that's in my case, that's good. Um yeah, I mean I I'm like, I'm like what Simone said that I'm really grateful that finally we're at a stage that accents are welcome instead of seen as something negative because I was told that I would never be able to do any kind of national work because I haven't have an accent. Um, and so <laughs> I'm thankful for that shift and it's a beautiful shift. Um, and so today I would say that it's not so much that they want an accent as much as they want that there is a a difference in, it's not general American standard anymore, is the coveted voice, that they want some ethnicity to your sound. And it's not that it has to be a heavy accent. Um, and so for, for, I can only speak to the Mexican Hispanic accent, because that's the stuff that I see mostly. But um, for the Mexican, there is, um, you had said this earlier, and I didn't answer your question, but uh, there's neutral Spanish, then there's Latam, Latin American Spanish, and then there's Mexican Spanish. Uh, obviously, I specialize in Mexican Spanish being Mexican. And so they will ask for a English with a slight accent, accented English. Um, I've had to relearn that. <laughs> Never did I think that was going to happen. I had to relearn how to speak English with an accent. And that is now more, more like I see that more frequently than I ever have. Now, most often though they want they don't want it super heavy like when i go into like when i was two my mother brought me to america no they don't want it that crazy right they just want me to sound like me which is i'm kind of a blend i am a blend i don't sound 100 percent american i don't necessarily sound like i'm mexican unless i'm gonna go you know or something like that um so they just want you to sound you and so that's the beautiful thing is that I can sound like myself. I don't even have to quote unquote put on an accent. I can just sound like myself. And they're like, oh, that's good. That's exactly what we're looking for. Even though I don't really <laughs> have an accent. Um, so I think it's, it's beautiful and I'm really thankful. And then there are times where they do want it more heavy. Um, so it just depends on the project and how much they want it to be quote unquote neutralized and how much they want it to be depending on the market. But yes, there are more, more and more we're getting asked for that English with a slight Hispanic accent. And uh, I want to add something. Can I, Sean? Please. Uh, they request me the accent, in my case, because I have accent. I am different than Sofia. I have a strong accent. So, uh, but for, for example, my husband is Jason, and he lives in, in Brazil with me, and he's American, as you know. Jason Birmingham, and he uh, records. He records only in English here all the time, and they ask him to do a neutral accent. Hmm. So yeah, he 
he has been recording for I think almost 10 years and he has to neutralize his English because the jobs that he record here in Brazil uh, most people is their second language English so mm -hmm. he has to adjust and make it very clear so I think if you want to enter in the uh, Latin America market you should learn to how to neutralize your accent to get more jobs very interesting i'm sure it's something yeah. a lot of people or a lot of our listeners haven't really considered or thought about and uh, where is jason from simone does, does he have like a regional dialect he is from oregon but he was raised in california ah okay so he's got he might have a little bit of a, a western uh not not wouldn't call it a drawl but like <laughs> Yeah, okay. he, he was he was raised he was raised in a farm in oh okay and in Nevada in Fallon Nevada and in Paso Robles uh, California so he has to learn how to uh, neutralize his accent to get lots of jobs. Interesting, very cool. Yeah, this is very interesting for for you to have in mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, as, um, and you can talk about this for both your, your native work and your English-speaking work, are there specific markets or genres that you specialize in for your various kinds of jobs? You mentioned that with your accented English work, you did a lot of work for um, Latin American Airlines, uh, but are there any other large brands or markets or areas of voiceover that you specialize in for each language? So I do a lot of radio commercials. And for my radio commercials, I do both English and Spanish equally the same. Um, and I also do a, a lot of telephony, and that's also English and Spanish. Um, I just booked a very big contract, e-learning contract for uh, Spanish only. Um, but I do equally as much work in English as well. So for me, I'm really half and half for everything. I also did an app, um, which I'm really thankful to say uh, for the American Bar Association for one of its uh, one-of-a-kind for the Hispanic population in the United States. Um, I can't disclose exactly what it is yet, but it's very, very important. And I'm really thankful that I can lend my voice. And they had me do it for both English and Spanish, which I thought was really interesting because I thought I was only going to do the Spanish um, aspect of the rollout and they wanted me to do both the English and Spanish. So I would say that I find myself equally doing um, the same amount of work, whether it's an app, I've done text-to-speech, I was the um, uh, a voice for a GPS system in the Texas, and um, and that was all Spanish. And they wanted someone that was authentically Mexican, even though they didn't make me pronounce the words the way that they should. Um, so instead of saying Alameda Avenue, they wanted me to say Alameda Avenue, um, which I thought was very interesting. But um, but nonetheless, I find myself really equally doing both English and Spanish, and I don't know. I think it's how you brand yourself. And I have branded myself as that seamless, flawless English to Spanish voiceover. And so that works. It's worked for me really, really well. And I find myself booking those jobs on a consistent basis, which makes me really happy because that's truly what I wanted to do. So I do commercials, e-learning, corporate narration, telephony, apps, text-to-speech uh, projects all the time in both languages. Oh, and I have to say, I'm also getting gearing up to do the political season as well. Ooh, very cool. So, yeah. Great question. I have never thought about that, but you're right. Uh, I do different jobs in different languages. In my native language, I do commercials. I narrate TV shows. I am the voice of uh, of Sky on air 
uh, on air shows. Uh, I do promos in Portuguese. Um, I do everything, you know, not, not, not everything, but I, I can do much more in my native language. And in English, I do telephony, corporate videos. Um, as, and now I, I, I'm, I'm thinking while I'm talking, I'm doing the, the projects that I'm recording voiceover for virtual reality. I have to do them in English as well because of the international market. So I, I'm doing this. But when they need a native, native speaker, I recommend Sophia <laughs> and other friends because I really think that is very important to know what kind of jobs you can do and what kind of jobs you can't do. And you have to recommend and you have to refer, no, recommend um, the, the right person. And that way, as you talked to me before we, we, we were live, we, we, we can have a strong relationship with our clients if you recommend a right person for the job. So I think we have to think what are our strengths. That's very important. Like you said, you look a lot better to a potential client if you recognize that, uh, I might not be the best person, but Sophia, she's exactly what you're looking mm -hmm. for. And if mm -hmm. you're right, and like they, you both just look like superheroes to the client. So that's an incredible <laughs> point, Simone. Thank that's you for uh, bringing that up. Yeah. And vice versa. Like I never would try to even start with Portuguese or, you know, I just, I, I know my limits and like uh, I can do Latin American Spanish, but if they wanted to be... Like I know a ton of people in the Latin American market that could do it better than me. And if I felt that project would be better suited for, for something, I absolutely recommend people all that refer people all the time as well. Um, I, I, it is important for everybody to know what their strong suits are and having, this is what's so great about the voiceover community is that we have each other and we have a strong community and we know the people that are good in our community and we can refer them. And I'm so appreciative of all the relationships I've been able to build and having Simone and Jason and knowing them and obviously Paul and Sean, you as well. It's good to know people and know what their strengths are so that you have an ability to refer somebody because we were saying that earlier, when someone refers me a client, I want to make sure that that client will go back to the person that referred me and feel incredibly grateful for having recommended me because then they know they got a, a true professional and I treat every client like, it, like they're gold because they are. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, not only Sophia, but I can refer Susie because she, she speaks Portuguese and English right. fluently. She's native in both languages. That's great. Well, both of you actually, uh, Sophia and Simone, you, you answered my next question a little bit, so I'm going to rephrase <laughs> it. Because um, I wanted to know is when you see specs for a job and it says, in Sophia's case, Latin American Spanish, or in Simone's case, it may say native Portuguese, do you ever try and pull it off and say, well, this, this person doesn't really know what they're asking for. I'm going to do it and, and as me. And, and hope that it gets through? Or is this, is this something you absolutely will not do and refer to someone who you know is a native in that dialect? And Alberto, if you're there, you can j jump in on that too. Never, never. Because for example, uh, Portuguese from Portugal is totally different than Portuguese from Brazil. I prefer speak English with Umberto than in Portuguese. For example, okay. yeah, it's like it's like American and English, English, British, British yeah. English, yeah. yeah. 
or I think it's worse. <laughs> I don't know what what do you think, Umberto? But I it's I would compare like Portuguese from Portugal and Portuguese from Brazil, like American and Scottish. Mm. So the same base of the language, but you know, like instead of uh, potatoes, they say nippies. So if you don't know, if you never lived there, you won't be able to understand them. Yeah. So if I go to Brazil and I speak my Portuguese that I speak daily here, for sure, 75, 80% of the people will not understand me. (laughs) And that's really important. I think that that's one of the things I would like to say, because I think that um, it's important for us to remember that we, uh, hopefully the buyer is an educated buyer and they're going to know the difference. Maybe the casting director won't know the difference, but the end buyer will. And yes. so trying to sit, portray something that you're authentically not, it's going to come through and you're going to look bad. And there's no point in looking bad when you can look great and you can refer somebody who is qualified. Um, so I too would agree that I do not, I never submit, if I'm not qualified on the specs, I will not submit or I would absolutely refer somebody else who would, would be exactly what the client's looking for. So even um, I see a lot of people for the Mexican market, for example, so I would just say like Mexican Spanish has become very popular in, in the United States. It's, it is the most requested form of Spanish just because there is such a big Mexican population here. Um, and I've, I've noticed that some other people who are not Spanish, native Mexican Spanish speakers will say, well, it doesn't matter. I speak neutral Spanish anyway, or I'm from Latin America. That will work. And it's like, no, it won't. <laughs> it actually won't work because I know when someone isn't a neutral, uh, a true native Mexican Spanish speaker. Like I can hear it. And, um, and so it's just important. There's no reason why we need to pretend to be somebody we're not. I think it's important to embrace our ethnicity, um, and, and do that well, and then let whoever has the the right language, the right accent, the right, everything do what they do best. Um, so that's my, my two cents on the, on the subject. So does it matter based on genre? So for instance, E-learning, telephony, obviously, they're looking for an accurate dialect. If it's a character, animation, does that change your point of view? Where you're maybe maybe creating a voice anyway? Right. I think, and Christina and Christian would be definitely the ones that are going to, I'm sure they're going to speak up on this. But I would say if you're creating a voice, that's a different story because you can definitely, and actually one of the ways that I view accents is the way that Pamela Vanderway um, teaches it, which is it's not about neutralizing your accent. It's about learning how to add on the accent that you want to have. Um, because who you are, who we all are, we all have accents. It's not about my accent <laughs> better than yours. It's about learning how to add on the right accent that books you that next job that you want. So I would say with animation, absolutely, you can. I can learn how to become a tortuga for Latin American versus the Spanish version, you know, Mexican one. So I think that there are, there is room for you to learn how to add on other accents. And if you master it, then absolutely. If you're the right fit for the job, um, you know, it, it, it should, it should always be who the right voice is for the job. Now, if they're looking for the right native person to have those skills, then it's up to the native person to ramp up those skills so that we can book the job. Right. So we shouldn't be upset if somebody else who is in quote unquote native books the job if they have the right skill set. So if we want more jobs to come to the native people, then it's up to us to to build up our skill set so that we are bookable and not find fault in whoever did book the job. I heard somebody once say that, you know, like a bad imitation of somebody or a bad imitation of an accent 
when you're talking about cartoons, probably it's an amazing character. So I believe that case is very specific. But, you know, regarding still the, for instance, the Portuguese from Portugal and Portuguese from Brazil, I receive a lot of scripts that they say it's Portuguese native. And I start to read and immediately <laughs> I see that this is not written in Portuguese from Portugal. So many times the clients don't have a clue. They just know that they have to do in X, X number of uh, languages and Portuguese is Portuguese. So it will be understood in everywhere. And that's not the way it is. I think we need to educate the clients also. Um, uh, I agree with Sofia I, and, and with Umberto because I also get a lot of stuff that is actually for European Portuguese. Um, so, no, I wouldn't try uh, and just try and pull it off. I would speak to the client and if it is in Portuguese and explain uh, and, and say, look, it's very different because sometimes they don't realize that actually the different accents are even there. Um, so I would try, uh, first of all, approach them, speak to them. I do actually have a pretty good Portuguese accent from Portugal. I have a lot of Portuguese family. So I have recorded sometimes in an emergency, but I always say I'm not native. I'll give you a sample. You can pass it on to the final client. And if they want to go with my voice, then then yes. But I, I'm, I'm always very upfront because I think it's completely different. It's a totally different accent. And if I see something that you know, is Portuguese from Portugal, I wouldn't attempt to do it without telling, uh, telling the client that I am Brazilian. Um, I think it's sort of similar to, with the Spanish as well, isn't it? Because it is very different. They're almost different languages, I would say. Um, and, and certainly I would not try to pretend that I've got a, a Spanish accent because uh, I, I can't pull it off as a native. You know, it just, to my ears, it doesn't sound right. That's, that's um, fascinating. And Alberto's metaphor of comparing English, Amer American English to Scottish English is perfect. That, that, yeah. that crystallizes my mind perfectly because whenever I've spoken to someone from Scotland, it, it is like they're speaking a completely different language. <laughs> right. yeah. And I will, can I add in this two cents because I think this is important. Um, one sure. of the things that I disagree with certain uh, Spanish voiceover colleagues is the purity of language of Spanish because our job is to you know, like my job is to give the best Spanish performance I can give to wh whoever is requesting, whatever client is requesting. But by the same token, I'd like to use the example in the United States, there are a lot of people that book a British English that aren't native British. And, yeah. from, a, and from a native British standpoint, their English sucks. But the market in the United States bears that kind of British accent as acceptable. It's not a purist in any way, shape, or form. It sounds awful to the UK people, but in the United States, it's, it's a marketable British accent. The same happens with Spanish. And so it's really important for me to say this because there's a lot of disagreement within the Spanish voiceover community. Oh, Sofia, the way you speak Spanish isn't as good as it can be because you're not super pure, you didn't grow, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, that might be true, but the market bears the kind of Spanish that I speak, which mm -hmm. is this blend of being raised here and being born in another country and having that immigration factor built into my Spanish speaking. And so there's a market for that. And so I just want to make that clear because there is a lot of debate about this, but our job is to just, like I've, I've been working on my Spanish actually for the last five years, knowing that I was going to enter the Spanish market again 
And so I had to polish it up for sure. I had to polish it up, but there was this debate early on that, that, well, you're not a hundred percent pure. So therefore you shouldn't be working in Spanish. And that's like, you can't, you can't say that because the market bears the kind of, you know, that's like saying, um, somebody recently recorded, a a spot that was like kind of like a Spanglish version of Spanish and English. And that's acceptable too. So we're not the ones that get to say what's acceptable. It's what the client is really looking for. And as long as we're honoring what the client wants to the best of our ability, at the end of the day, that's what pays the bills for them is that they're looking to connect to people that are like me from both countries blended together. Um, if they wanted to market to the Mexican people in Mexico, it's even going to be a different Spanish than the one that we offer here in the United States and vice versa. So every market has its own need and marketability of different accents. And that's something to keep in mind as well. The thing with the Portuguese that's quite interesting is actually it that doesn't happen at all like in brazil if you have someone that has an accent from portugal that will never you know it just doesn't work people don't even understand and same token if i record something for portugal they will understand me but the market doesn't want my accent and the clients are not aware of that and also i think there's one thing i've noticed quite a lot on a few sites is people and i'm sure you get that with spanish as well people that speak portuguese i mean you know that speak Portuguese to a very good standard, but they're actually selling themselves as bilingual when actually we can hear that they are not native speakers. And that, again, in Brazil, for example, wouldn't work because we don't have that kind of, in our market, that doesn't work. Even accents within Brazil, people from the Northeast will find difficult to work in the main markets because their accent, even though it's Brazilian, it's not the, the accent that sells. So I think it's a bit more, you know, with the Portuguese accent is a bit more specific, I guess. Yeah. And that's a good point. It's just important for everybody to understand their market and what accents are really what that market bears so that you are marketing yourself intelligently and will actually book the work that you're marketing. Because I also specialize in marketing. So I have to say that, um, <laughs> you know, like if you know how to market yourself well, and your brand is exactly what you bring to the table, you're going to book way more work than, when, than if you pretend to be something that you're not. So I think it, it's really important to understand the market that you're marketing to and understand your own skill set so that you can be able to sell yourself well and book work. Exactly. Like, um, like uh, Sophia said, because Susie, I, I brand myself. Uh, my marketing is uh, Portuguese. And with uh, and when I talk and when I speak English with strong accent, strong Brazilian accent. Now this is my brand. This is my marketing. So if I have a job with these characteristics, I can do. But if not, I recommend I refer you, Sophia. You know, because you don't have accent. But talking about character animation, like Paul asked us, yeah, in this situation we can do. Uh, we can try to do other other things other we, we can try always being honest because i think the honesty is the the rule number one that we have to have but we can try in animation you know and you can have, you need you need to be honest with yourself if, if yeah. i try to record in in brazilian in portuguese from brazil you know i i i've seen brazilian soap operas since I was born, 
basically. So, and they, they were very, very popular in Portugal. And that's why I can, you know, I can joking around and messing around with friends speak like Brazilian, you know, with the accent. And if you, if you listen to Brazilian with Portuguese from Portugal, it's like one is spoken, the other one is, it sounds like a song. You know, it's very melodic. Portuguese uh -huh. from Brazil. It's yeah. I, I usually do this comparison. This Portuguese from Portugal. It's like a cube. It's square. You know, like straight lines. And from Brazil, it's like a circle. Is round. It's a round melodic language. So I, I would never emulate. But there are unfortunately a lot of people emulating Portuguese from Brazil. And when I listen to that, it's like, wow! Don't you have ears? <laughs> Don't you have self-pride? That, that's, you know, I, I speak Spanish. I was hired once to do a TV commercial in Spanish for a South American country. And I said, are you sure you want me to do this? And the client said, yeah, I want your Spanish with that accent that is not from Spain. It's not from anywhere. Okay. I'm okay with that. I can do that. You know, I'm, I, at this moment, I'm doing an e-learning recording and I am uh, a guy speaking English with a Latin accent. Latin is a broad thing. It's like, I'm Portuguese, I'm Latin, you know? It's, <laughs> so, but if it's something specific, if I get a, an audition saying, you know, like English with a Mexican accent, I, I cannot touch it because... Mm -hmm. I don't have a clue about the Mexican accent, like Sophia said, you know, it's so I, I'm not going to touch it because I'm going to waste time recording the audition. And then the client hears it and say, oh, man, this guy is trying to get some money and probably will take my name off his list forever. Why take that chance? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good well, to that... hear that some of the truisms of voiceover is coming through in the international market as well. And that you be true to yourself and market your own skills. For instance, I wouldn't try to do an audition for a nine-year-old boy because I'm going to sound ridiculous. And it's no different if I was trying to pull off a different language that wasn't native to me or at least trained very, very well. So yeah. to move on to our, our next question, let's talk about some of the other challenges that are involved in being a bilingual talent, as well as some of the benefits that you enjoy being able to speak more than one language. Anyone who wants to start? It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's like... Uh... Like, you know, this, this year I went and I, I met all of you uh, in Vio Atlanta. Like, I'm trying to, you know, like, trying to get in a, in a market that I don't understand. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, I speak three languages fluently. So I want to use this broad spectrum that I have, you know, I have my market. It's not focused in one point. Because I speak all these languages, I have like a huge horizon where I want to reach. And I want to try to improve in, in, in getting into this market. Even once I spoke with, I believe it was with Christina Militia, and I asked her about, you know, do you think I can get like, can you advise me a, an accent coach so I can improve my accent? And the answer was, why, why you want to lose what you have that is unique? Mm -hmm. Why? Don't do it. So Absolutely. my English is this one. My Portuguese is native and my Spanish is a mix of Spanish that I learned when I was in Galicia in Spain. 
from working with people from Colombia. And, you know, it's like, like a fruit salad, you know, everything is mixed uh, and I can pull exactly what I want. And many times the client hears it and yeah, it's different. It will work for me, for me. and that's it. But it's, it's, it's a tough job and just try, I just want to be myself. People will recognize my voice if, if they don't see me because they already know my accent and say, oh, that's Umberto. And that's, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I would, uh, gosh, I just, I can't, I hope this makes it to the final podcast, but I cannot stress enough how important it is to love what you bring to the table. Like everything, the beauty, the, the, there's beauty um, in not belonging 100% to one language, to one country, because you become this beautiful blend of all things. And that's what makes us unique. And I think the challenge is, or at least I can speak to myself, the challenge for me was when I wasn't willing to accept that. When I was bent on becoming 100% American because, gosh, I was so tired of getting bullied and, and being told that I don't belong and that I'm not welcomed here and blah, 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 blah. And so I ran away from my heritage and wanting to embrace this new one. And it wasn't until I finally accepted, no, I am a mix of the two and that's okay. And not only is it okay, it's awesome because it's who I am. And so the beauty has come finally accepting that, including all the naysayers who thought your Spanish isn't good enough, your English isn't good enough. Like there's a thing in, in Mexico called la India Maria, ni de aquí, ni de allá, but it doesn't matter. I am from both. And so for me, the challenge was when I wasn't willing to accept it, now that I have, it's incredibly beautiful. And I, I, and I book a lot of work with everything that I bring to the table today. And that's what makes me unique. And that's why I love what Umberto said. Absolutely, don't get rid of what makes you unique. Add on additional things that you want because you want to book more work, but never change what makes you unique because um, if you can accept yourself, you're going to see a lot more success because the confidence that you will bring to the table with your clients is going to be unlike any. I have clients who think I'm African-American. <laughs> I, seriously, I do because they don't, they don't know where to place my accent. They're like, well, she sounds not neutral. So she must be African-American. I don't care what you call me. Just book me. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, I just perfect. It's, perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Like you want, you want ethnicity ambiguity. Sure. I'll be that. And then I tell them I'm from Chicago. Oh, that's why you sound that way. You're from Chicago. You know, I don't care. I could be from New York. I just book me. <laughs> so, so that's the beautiful thing is that you can be booked for whatever you, whatever the client wants you to be. Sure. That's what I am. No problem. I mean, I find for me, it's quite similar. I've been in England for a very long time. And uh, so obviously my accent has become more British as time progresses. But here they book me for Portuguese because it's my native language, even though I've been here for 30 years. Uh, what well, is my native language? And I'm now getting booked less for English because obviously I don't sound as Brazilian as they would like me to sound because they, they sort of imagine someone with a stronger accent. So for a while, I was kind of trying to think about where do I kind of fit in? Because I come from an acting background. So obviously that has toned down my accent a little bit to the English. I still sound foreign, but they can't really place me. And here there is not, they, they don't really have the diversity you guys have in America of this sort of international accent. We don't really, it's not really quite here in England yet. Um, which to me was a revelation when I got to Atlanta and people were all, mesmerized by my accent because 
I thought, wow, awesome. There's a lot of work out there for people that can't be placed. So I'm feeling super happy at the moment because I'm thinking, okay, so I am not actually a bilingual Brazilian. I, I have international English. I kind of feel that I kind of found my accent and hopefully that will reflect in me booking international um, jobs, I guess. Because so I mean, see, the amount of times I get it in English, I have to change my accent and pretend that it's a bit stronger and then they think it's too much. It's sort of, it, it's quite a tricky place, like no man's land kind of thing. And Susie, I have to tell you that your Portuguese is amazing. Oh, and, you. and you don't have accent. I was impressed by your Portuguese. I talked to you in Portuguese and you don't have accent. I don't know how because <laughs> you, you don't live here but your your portuguese is uh yeah you're totally you right. can you can book job, jobs in portuguese uh, uh, whatever job is because your portuguese is amazing really thank you no uh, yeah really you don't have yeah, i mean i do like there's a lot of stuff in portuguese um happening here in england so you know by default that's kind of what i do the most but i do like today i had a job for the bbc that, that they left me on a pencil for ages and then in the end it went with someone else because they felt that oh no you don't really sound kind of latin enough for what we need so i'm just now kind of trying to find my feet in the sense that okay i've just done a new demo completely new demos in english um, focusing on this sort of nondescript international voice. Yeah, because your because you know, your English because your English has a British accent. Your English has. So, so the rest of the world, your English sounds British. Just so you know. <laughs> what? But actually, even here, because sometimes people think I am from different places in the United Kingdom. Like even them, they can't really tell where I'm from. Like they think I'm from here because I look British. Yeah. So there's that kind of confusion when I go like oh actually I'm Brazilian they go like what you know <laughs> because it's sort of then I kind of I think that's what it is if I didn't look if I looked more Brazilian then maybe they would perceive me differently mm -hmm. even though I'm working with voice you know you know for instance if I met Susie on the street and I spoke with Susie I would know that she's from Brazil for one reason for the end of some words like mm. a British would say will and Susie says will mm. the final L mm. is no, round. But it could be from it's round that's the thing that no, here they but think it's, I'm uh, it's <laughs> but it's it's you know it's like it's like I told you everybody that's those many years watching telenovelas you get you know like that feeling gets like in your DNA you know you so yeah, when I, I went find... to Brazil. Yeah, Sofia, go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just saying, when I went to Brazil, everybody knew I was Mexican. Every single When I went to Puerto Rico, everybody knew I was Mexican. Like, you just, we think we don't know our own people, but people know their own heritage and race. And it's, I'm not surprised, Humberto, you can say that about Susie. Yeah, no, so, but yeah, uh, to be honest, like, I go to Brazil and people don't think I'm Brazilian. In Rio, for example, they don't really, they don't know where I'm from. I get I get a very nondescript boat somewhere else kind of thing. I, I never actually you have because now you have a mix of both languages. You're you're not British and you're not Brazilian. You're like a citizen it's of a, the world. Am, you have yeah. like a unique 
you have a unique voice, a unique talent, a unique uh, accent. It, that, that's the amazing thing is that each one of us is unique. Absolutely. And that... Yes. Everyone's unique. We're all snowflakes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> we're, all, that's, we're all international yeah. snowflakes. <laughs> that's that's a wonderful that's point, Umberto. Oh, beautiful, I love that, Sophia. <laughs> all right, so um, kind of touching on the points that we talked about before, I, like I love that you guys are all echoing each other to some extent because again and again you see this. You have to have this an awareness of where you sit in the mix, and like you need to understand what, like how the audience is going to perceive your particular voice. But in the same vein, you can't be too married to the sort of ethnic standards of various genres and markets because you're, you have to be true to yourself. And so while it's important to, like you said, to be able to add accent tools to your skill set, if you know that you can't do a convincing enough, like Castilian Spanish or Brazilian Portuguese or what have you, you refer it to someone who you know specializes in that. So yes. like already we're just getting so many great tips and recommendations for how to go about this if you're trying to break into international markets. So with that said, if someone is trying, like if they know that they're a bilingual or potentially bilingual talent, what kind of steps or considerations should they make to try and pursue bilingual work? Uh, you don't need to be bilingual to work in Brazil or in Latin America. Uh, for, for instance, you, Paul, uh, Sean, Susie, Umberto, Sofia, you can, okay, you are bilingual, but okay. Uh, <laughs> talking about Paul and Sean. Uh, I know that Paul have been working internationally and he doesn't need to be a bilingual artist to do that. So... You just have to know the market and know a little bit of the culture and how the market works. And you can ask me how Brazil works. <laughs> you can ask Susie how uh, British market and Umberto the, the European and Sofia the Mexican. You know, you can ask your, your friends uh, how, how can you enter and how is the the, the culture in each country. But as I told you, Jason has been working as a voiceover artist in English in Brazil. So you don't need to be a bilingual artist to uh, work internationally. This is, um, this is gold. It's, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the world is waiting for you. Um, especially in countries that English is uh, not the main language. Mm -hmm. They need English uh, voiceovers, and they don't have native. They they have a few. Susie, I, I'm sure he she's she's working for Brazil as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. But also, uh, I do lately. I've been doing a lot of work for other countries in Europe because more and more companies produce stuff in all languages so you know you might have a company in holland that is doing stuff in multiple languages and you can enter that market as well which is fantastic mm -hmm. i think mm. i think the main thing that i i think is to identify like are you truly bilingual you know how what is the your level of you know the other the second language so then you can actually just sell yourself as we've just said before you know appropriately to the client you know mm -hmm. so as if that should be the starting point for everyone because yes you could be fluent in three four five languages but that doesn't mean that you can actually 
recording all of them, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's the main starting point. But aside that, after that, then yes, it's like Simone said, kind of research mm-hmm. the market, and and maybe you know speak to people on, on groups, different groups, and and then try and get information from people living in those places, really. Absolutely. So maybe reaching out to native speakers, like no, native voice talent like yourselves, and yeah. be like, hey, would this work? Would this be marketable? Or like kind of like just a safe space for them to get feedback before they try and like make a bad impression with their bad accent. Absolutely. Or- absolutely. Because I think people are not very, I think that you have to be a little bit honest with yourself when you kind of, do I sound bilingual? Or, you know, do I not? Or maybe try and get a second opinion, I guess. You know, mm. That would be good. <laughs> but I think that also, I mean, I, I always, I, I love sending job to, jobs to friends. You know, like if someone, if I have a Russian friend and I see someone that, you know, needs a Russian, I will always, I have like three or four people that I always suggest. It, it's nice to pass work to other friends. So it's quite important to sort of enter the bilingual groups and, and just sort of, make friends i guess you know and ask for help umberto sofia any thoughts everything i believe it's it's said it's like if you if you know if somebody comes to me and wants like i don't know spanish from catalonia and i know somebody i will refer that person and that's through referrals we can get you know like i don't care if if i can do it if it's something that I don't do it, I'll give it to somebody, which in Portugal, that is not the general way of working because, you know, even in Portugal, a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, if they know about a job and they cannot do it, they will say, well, I'm going to keep quiet and I'm not going to tell anybody. And why? It's, you know, just give it to somebody else and that person will refer you if something comes up. And that's it. You just... Or not, to... you know? Or not. Sorry. Or, or not, yeah, you know, because you yeah. have to refer, not expecting anything, but yeah. Yeah, of Absolutely. course. Absolutely. But, but usually, usually that's, you know, like that interchange of information between voice talents that, you know, because we know each other, even if it's through the internet, but we know each other. So, yeah, just pass the job to somebody that is able to do it. That's it. Yeah. It, um. Yeah, and I would say, you know, here's the thing. It's This business is about building relationships. Um, this isn't about, I'm going to go knock on Sophia's door because I can only speak for myself and I'm going to see and get all the information she has about the Spanish market. That's, not, that's never going to work. But if you are a person that genuinely wants to connect with me and you want to build relationships with me, a relationship with me as a colleague, and it's a give and take situation, of course, that's going to be more welcome than someone just coming to to try to you know what i'm saying so i think it's really important because i know a lot of people will be listening to this podcast this isn't about finding susie and we're gonna have christian lance on here we have really you know we're all professional people in voiceover and we're busy and um this isn't about finding oh christian give me all your contacts for disney and let me get you know what i mean it's not about that we are a very helpful community but we 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 want the relationship more than anything else. And, and I, I think that's what's so beautiful. If you take the time to build those relationships, go to the voiceover conferences, get to know people face to face, that's where you're going to make the most out of your connections. And, and so I just need to say that because I think that's important, but we are all here. We are all available as best as we can. Uh, we're all very busy. God knows trying to put this podcast together, right, Paul and Sean. Um, 
but we we do love each other we do support each other and we do want people to see, uh, see success in whatever market they want to be in but when i think about marketing and all my marketing students i always tell them this the secret is to focus on the one area you want to see growth in because where you put your energy that's what's going to grow what i find that most people do the mistake is that they try to be everything to everyone and that's why they look back and they're like well i didn't see any major growth well that's because you spread yourself too thin i've been focusing on the mexican market guess what that is where i have seen the most growth in <laughs> Yes. The bilingual English Spanish market has been my laser focus for the last two years. I just finished saying that I book work in English and Spanish nonstop because that's where I'm putting all my energy into. It's not trying to become a Portuguese talent. It's not trying to do, um, you know, Brazilian anything. It's just Mexican Spanish and English. That's, that's all I focus on. And that's where I'm seeing the most growth in. So that's super important for everybody to pay attention because you're not going to be everything to everyone. If you want to become an international um, voice actor, Pick one country you want to expand on and become a master about that country and understand what works. Get to know who, which voiceover colleagues are in that country and start building those relationships. And then you will see growth in that one area. And then you can build on and keep going. One thing I'd like to say is that I think, yes, absolutely, the meeting in person is, is fundamental. And from my experience, I mean, I love the internet. I'm always online pretty much. And, and I was so surprised when I got to Atlanta and I actually saw everyone like in the flesh because I thought, I realized that I actually had, because I thought I was going to go with the British people I was traveling with. There were quite a few of us anyway. Plus so I was like, okay, fine, you know, we're going as a huge group. But I got there and I knew so many people. It was just awesome to meet, you know, Sofia, Umberto, Simone and all the people that I had been talking to online for ages. And, and kind of just by building relationships on, on Facebook, essentially, you know, I think it's quite, it's really important that you kind of try and communicate with people and, and try and, and be helpful and, I don't know, just sort of just be nice, <laughs> generally in, speaking. In, sorry. In our case, uh, we met everybody here in Vio Atlanta. We have to be grateful for this wonderful conference. And I agree with you and Sophia, uh, this meeting in person, I, it's, it's, um, it's very important for us. And the podcast that Paul and Sean are doing is not in person, but it helps uh, creating this sense of community that we need. And to, to strong our relationship, like Sophia said, we have to be a... I was talking to a friend here in Brazil today because we are struggling with this um, cachê, the, the money, the budgets. They are getting down here in Brazil. I know that they are getting down in other countries as well. So I was talking to him. Let's let's be strong together. You know, let's let's make create a community, and then we can um, we can fight with this dropping uh, budgets and we have to be strong and we have to be strong together this is very beautiful i'm very passionate <laughs> i'm a latina <laughs> and this subject um, really makes me feel happy and i'm very happy to be with you talking about this and sharing with others our experience so that's why i'm so passionate 
Well, that's a great, a great note to wrap up on. I just want to say I appreciate everybody being here. Um, ever since New Atlanta, really, I wanted to put this together, and I'm, I'm really excited that everyone was able to join us, and I thank you all for your, your time and your comments. John, any parting words? Well, like Paul said, I just wanted to thank you all so much, and I love that you were all on the same page and offered a lot of the same advice and mindsets to to build that self-awareness to like more than anything before you try and jump into this like if you know your strengths and if you don't know them find a coach or find a professional who's where you want to be and reach out to them and get their get their feedback get their advice before you like i said shoot yourselves in the foot and one thing that i want to note is that even if you don't specialize in as being a bilingual talent as far as I'm concerned, all of us here are international talent. Any one of us could get booked for an international English voice spot. Before we go, why don't all of you tell us how clients can reach you if they want to hire you? Why don't we start with Umberto? Well, you can, the clients can go to my website, um, www.umbertofranco.com, or through my email, which is very simple, also umberto at umbertofranco.com. Great. And Simone? I have a website in English, a brazilianvoice.com, and I have my website in Portuguese, that is simoniclias.com. So, but thank you so much for having me, for having us. Great, our pleasure. Special. And Sofia? Yes, I can be reached at Sofia, S-O-P-H-I-A, Cruz, C-R-U-Z, V-O.com. Sofia at SofiaCruzVO.com if you choose to email me. But thank you so much for having us. Susie? Um, www.susievalerio.com. That's S-U-S-I-E-V-A-L-E-R-I-O, susievalerio.com. And my email is contact at susievalerio.com. So thank you guys so much for that, that validation, that encouragement, and just being here today uh, representing your various countries. Thank you so much. Wow. So thank you so much to our international panel for just for sharing that experience and giving us a whole new perspective on just not only um, like if you are a non-US talent, how you might be able to integrate yourself into US or UK markets, but if you are a, uh, a talent in North America, how you can sort of branch out to different countries and pursue or and market yourself that way. So, but Paul, you wanted to talk about some of the, the little hiccups that we had as well? Well, it just, uh, the, the theme being everyone spread all over the world was actually really appropriate because some of the issues we had, I think, were because of, of bandwidth in, in the home <laughs> countries. So Umberto mentioned that he was having issues with, with internet connection and actually dropped out and made a call to his internet service provider in Portugal while we were on the call. So I appreciate him going the extra mile just to be with us, which is crazy, but we do appreciate it, Umberto. And Umberto's I, fantastic. Like on top of being a great talent, he's one of um, he's one of our most loyal uh, VO Pro members for GVAA, and he's always just a like he's so fun to work with, and he's such a humble guy, and he's just he's, he's always singing our praises. He's really fun. We got it was so nice to meet him at VO Atlanta. Yeah, and that's actually kind of what sparked the whole episode, as I mentioned in the interview. That talking yeah, to yeah. him about his challenges was what made me th turn the wheels and say, "Hey, there's an idea for a show." So. I appreciate him sparking that in me as well. But I, like you said, everyone was so gracious, and I really appreciated their perspective because they definitely brought up some things I hadn't thought about. And they crystallized more in my mind how I should never, ever try and put on a fake accent for, for an audition. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, well, uh, yeah, I may it, have 
So th- there may have been occasions where I had thought about it or may have actually done it, but now now I will never do it again. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Well, the thing is, is that, like, you can... All right, like, for example, uh, as Christina will mention in our next interview, you can work with a coach to get a more realistic, more authentic sound if that's within your budget. And but you're right. If you're if you find and this is true, not just for accents, but for character voices or vocal types in general, if you don't feel confident that you can do it in an audition, don't audition because they're going to ask you to do that and 10 times more when you get into the booth. Even if your agent sends it to you. So I'll give you a perfect example. There's a series coming out in the next couple of weeks, or has it come out yet? The Netflix series Spy Kids, um, mm-hmm. starring Christian Lands, who we just spoke to, or will be in our Yeah, next- I mean, and he's, um, well, you'll you get to hear him more, but you might recognize him as, like, he's probably the most famous voice double for Antonio Banderas. I recognized him back from the, the old Nasal Next commercials, where you had that sexy 3DB telling you about the wonders oh, of that was him? medicine. That was him. Oh, I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was actually Banderas. <laughs> I don't think so. So no. anyway, what I was trying to say is that when that came out, I guess about a year ago, I got that from my agent, and they they, they wanted me to audition for it, and I said no for Diego. That there's no way I was going to pull that off, and I'm so glad that was one that I passed on because that would have been ridiculous, me against Christian for that role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it might have been fun practice, but still. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just. Like, remember your audience. If it's for a video game or even a cartoon, depending on what the the creative team wants, like, they might not want something that, like, they might want something that's more evocative, um, that kind of connotes the idea of this place, rather than something that's completely accurate. But, like, again, if you don't feel confident doing it, don't. (laughs) So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. So our next episode is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to do our usual current events and questionable gear purchases. We're just going to go straight into part two of our international panel with Christina Malizia and Christian Lance. And we know you guys are going to love it. And then coming up later in the summer, we're going to be featuring Peter Bishop, the British voice talent living in New York. And that's going to be pretty exciting. And yeah, Bishop's been great. And he's been... Um, he's offered a lot of sage advice to both of us over the, the voiceover bulletin board and in private discussions. And um, I always enjoy talking to him when I can see him in person as well. Yeah, we, we had a great time at Uncle Roy's and hope to do it again soon. And then finally, awesome. we have committed, the VO Meter that is, to broadcast live from Mavo 2018, the Mid-Atlantic Voiceover Conference in Herndon, Woo! Virginia in November, November 9th, 10th, and 11th. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I will be joined by Ken Foster, who will be guest hosting since Sean can't make the cross-country trip that time. So sorry to hear that. He's replacing me, guys. (laughs) I keep trying, but it it never lasts. (laughs) No one can match my charisma. but (laughs) Definitely not. But uh, I appreciate that, bud. but yeah, I, I really, really wanted to go to Mavo this year, but it just didn't make sense with, with VO Atlanta. And last year was a very travel-heavy year. So I'm kind of going to buckle down and refocus and, and save my finances. So, But I hope you both have a wonderful time. Val Kelly always makes an amazing conference every time she does Mavo. I know this year our keynote speaker is no less than Kari Walgren, just an amazing voice talent. Uh, she got her start in anime with things like Footy Kuti and Samurai Champloo. Um, she's a regular on uh, on Rick and Morty now, and she does numerous characters for Marvel and DC, and she's just all over the map. Wonderful actress. 
And on top of that, you have Sarah Sherman, voice caster for Disney, uh, Sunday Muse, wonderful character talent out of uh, out of Canada, and just so many other great guests. You're definitely going to learn a lot. It's a small conference, but the content is huge. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So that's it for now. Please join us for part two of our international roundtable, and we'll see you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. To follow along, please visit www.vometer.com 